Have you ever, well, let me ask this. Has your life turned out the way that you had thought it would, that, that you planned it? I mean, I'm just curious. Has anybody's life turned out exactly the way you wanted it to? Have you ever wondered why God chose the script for your life that he did? I have. I mean, I never dreamed that I would be 70 years old and not married, no kids. That was not my plan for my life. And so we wonder, God, why did you choose these things? And, you know, God has a different plan. He has a perfect script. And I've learned over time, and I think most of us have learned, I think the older I get, the more I'm able to see, God, I know your purpose is best for me. Your purpose for my life, you have a reason, and I just need to trust you. And I I can see how he's worked. So as we trace God's hand through our life story, we begin to see how he has orchestrated every detail in our lives for his purpose. And the more we see his hand at work, the more we're able to trust him for the future especially when we don't know why something happened or why he chose a certain path. And so I want to begin with a passage that, or really a verse that you looked at this week, Psalm 139, 16. In your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. I love that verse. Because it just reminds me, God has written our story before we ever were born. He already had our lives planned out according to his bigger purpose. We're just one small part of his bigger story. And he's already ordained all the days of our life. He's written our story. Nothing is by accident. There's no mistakes. There's no... God saying, ooh, whoops, how did that happen? He's already planned it out. And so we can trace God's hand through the lives of, of men and women in the Bible. You looked at a few this week. But he is taking every one of us on a unique journey, giving each of us a life story that fits into his big story. And so one caution here is don't, and I mentioned this in your study, don't compare your life story to somebody else's. Well, gosh, God, why didn't you give me her life? Her husband, a husband like hers. Why didn't you give me kids like hers? You know, why didn't you give me that job or that position? Or why didn't you let me do that? Don't compare. Because God has specifically chosen your life story for a reason. One of the last classes I took at Dallas Seminary was a class called Spiritual Life. And it was taught by Dr. Ramesh Richard. And the, at the end of the class, we had one major assignment, which was really the major assignment of the whole class. And it was that we were to get away for a 24-hour period And even though I lived by myself, it was like, nope, you can't stay in your home. You have to go somewhere. 
You have to get away for 24 hours, and you can't take anything but your laptop, notebook, Bible, maybe pen. Don't check your phone messages. Don't check your text messages. Don't surf the Internet. Don't turn on the TV. You spend 24 hours with the Lord alone. And what he wanted us to do was write our life story, trace God's hand through our life story, and write our personal mission statement. You're going to do that this coming week. So they go together. So I did. I, I went down the street to a hotel a few blocks away on Friday at noon, checked in, and checked out at Saturday at noon. Those were probably some of the best 24 hours I spent thinking through my life story, thinking through my life purpose. And there were tears. There were times that I, it, it, I wrestled with God about some things. But it was so worth it. And that's why, you know, I really want to take you all through this process. And I'm going to challenge you that you might take some time to get away. Because I know this week, it was too much. You couldn't do it all this week. I, I know that. But at least you've got it in your book. And I'm going to challenge you to get away somewhere. Even if it's just 12 hours. Even if it's just a day. To get away and work on your life story. And then I would love to see y'all share with each other your life stories. We did that in Dallas and it was really special. So what's the value of tracing God's hand through your life story. Why do it? Well, the value is to show you how God is at work in every chapter of your life to prepare you and to use you for his purpose uniquely for you. It's just to show you how God is at work. And so in our time together this morning, I just want to review those five steps that I walked you through this week and, and just kind of give you that overview to just review how to do this, how to trace God's hand through your life story. So let's start with step one. And again, you all know this because you've done it, you've looked at this, but identify the chapters of your life. That's where you start. You're going to sit down and you're going to divide your life into logical time sequences from the time you were born until where you are today. And you might write out several different schemes of how you would do that. Um, and some of the examples I gave you that you could divide your chapters would be by age. You know, it could be by um, the geographical locations. If you moved around a lot or lived in different places, you might divide it by where you've lived. It may be stage of life, you know, young child or, you know, childhood, early marriage, kids, grandkids, empty nesters, all that stuff. I mean, old, dividing it, <laughs> dividing your chapters by stages of life. It may be work. It may be looking at your job. If you've had a lot of jobs, you might be dividing it by work, or it could be a combination of ways. I kind of did a combination. And so these divisions will mark the chapters of your story. 
but don't have more than seven chapters. When I did this in seminary, I already had six chapters. And I thought, gosh, I'm still young. I mean, I, don't, I already have six. I only have one left to go. So when I got here and we did this back 10 years ago with the spiritual toolbox, I revamped, I reorganized my chapters. And so, and I'm going to share my chapters with you in a minute. But first, I want to look at Moses's uh, life. I'm going to trace God's hand through his life story as we walk through this. You know, if I were going to write Moses's life story, I'd divide it into five chapters. And I'd start with childhood because... Um, or his infancy when he was at home with his birth mom and while he was being nursed. And then the second chapter would be when he went to Pharaoh's home and lived, you know, in the, in the palace. Third chapter would be in Midian after he killed the Egyptian and he had to run away. Fourth chapter would be his time in Egypt as he was delivering the Israelites. And then the fifth chapter was the wilderness, where he spent 40 years and died there. His chapter, his life story is very clearly mapped out. I'll share my, my chapters, and I gave a title to my life story. And we were laughing this morning. I may be an overachiever on the life story thing, because I had charts and pictures and... Uh, when we did it in our groups, I had pictures of, oh, this was a guy I dated at LSU and, you know, and all this. But um, I called my story God's path for my life. And I divided it, well, now I've, I've redone it since I already had six chapters. I have five chapters in my life. And I, all, and I titled every chapter, and I kind of kept the path in there or something to do with the path. But chapter one um, is, was, is my childhood um, starting out on the right path. That was from zero to 17 years old. That was a good time. It's where I heard about the Lord, came to Christ, you know, walked with the Lord. I loved Him. I knew I wanted to serve Him. That was just a good chapter. I started off on the right path. And then I came to chapter two, which is, uh, I called it detour because that was my LSU days, my college days that I, I spent four years, 18 to 22. And now that you know how old I am, I don't mind. When I've given this at retreats at other places, I won't tell them the ages. Um, but since y'all know, I'll tell you. That was 18 to 22. But um, I called it detour because you know my story. That's where I became a carnal Christian for two and a half years. And then chapter 3 is in the groove, is what I called it. But it was my 10 years on staff with crew in, in the United States and then in China or East Asia. But in East Asia. And those 10 years, I called it in the groove because those 10 years just felt so right. It was like, this is what you made me to do, Lord, to do ministry and to work and to disciple. And gosh, this is just right. This is in the, I'm in the groove here. This is what you want me to do. And then you know the story of, I shared, I think, last week, just how um, I couldn't stay there getting a visa. And I met a cardiac surgeon who challenged me to come back, go to school in Houston. 
so that I could go back with him and a team to East Asia and do heart surgery. So I did, and that was my next chapter. It's the, um, I called it wrong turn, question mark. It was my years in perfusion as a perfusionist. I was 33 when I got into that and 53 when I left. So I spent 20 years, including the school time. And I moved to Houston and then to Dallas. And I called that the wrong turn because as we talked about on God's will, I always went back and wondered, did I make a mistake when I made that choice? Did I make a wrong turn? And then um, chapter 5, First Sivan. Um, I was 53 years old when I came here. And, um, you know, I, I called it back on the right path because it's back doing what I feel like God has created me to do, and that's ministry. So I told you in your Bible study to ask yourself as you go through this, is there a favorite chapter and why? And for me, I had two favorite chapters, and you can probably guess my chapter on crusade staff and my chapter here because I'm doing the things that energize me, that feel right, that I feel like, God, this is the gifts that you gave me to use, and I'm using them, uh, it doesn't mean that those other chapters didn't have good things. They did, but these were my favorite. And then, is there a least favorite chapter, and why? And for me, I can say my least favorite was that chapter four on perfusion, those 20 years, because it never felt right. It wasn't, it drained me. And I used my leftover time to do ministry, but I, it was hard. That was my hardest chapter. That's what, it, it helps you to sit and ask those questions after your chapters because it shows you, it makes you think, why was this a hard chapter? Or why was this my favorite? And why am I not doing that now? So step two is you want to identify the stars and the scars of your life. And the stars, again, this is all in your Bible study, but the stars are the highlights, those high points in your lives, those things that brought you joy and satisfaction. And some examples of stars might be when you came to Christ or when you got something you really wanted, maybe when you had your first date or graduated from high school, or you got married, or you had your first child, or second, or fifth, or however many, um, when you accomplished some goal. Maybe those were stars in your life. Let's look at Moses again. I think one of the stars in his life was leading the people out of Egypt through the Red Sea. Can you imagine being part of that? And then one of my stars is just, the day I surrendered my life to the Lordship of Christ at LSU and saw how God changed it. So what's the value of the stars? Why take time to do that? Because they show us what motivates us, what's important to us, what excites us. You know, what brings us joy and and satisfaction? Is it relationships? Is it family? Is it jobs? 
accomplishments, possessions. I mean, it helps you see what are those things that you really value and that energize you or, or satisfy you. Then after you do the, star, the scar, stars, you want to do the scars. And those are the low lights, the low points in your life, those things that were hard, that hurt. Some examples could be, you know, losing a child, um, just a disease, a diagnosis, losing a loved one, a spouse, um, abuse. I mean, it could be all kinds of things. Again, let's look at Moses' life. I think one of the scars in his life was when he, the day he killed the Egyptian, and then he had to leave Egypt to go to Midian because of doing that. I mean, that was a scar that affected his life for years to come. For me, um, one of the scars, and I'm saying scar in the sense that it was one of the hardest times of my life, one of the hardest seasons was right here in Memphis during my mom's final years, caregiving. And any of you that have done that know exactly what it's like. I mean, it drained me. There would be days I'd teach and I'd walk out and they'd say, your mom's at the ER. And, you know, just Sue Sharp had a great ministry in my mom's life. But that was one of those hard times that I put under my scar was, was caring for mom and the stress that that meant. So what's the value of taking time? And I've had people say, I don't want to go back and visit my scars. Well, the value of scars, I'm going to give you two values, uh, two things that are valuable about doing your scars. One, as you look at your scars and as you go through your scars, the value of them is that they can deepen your relationship with God. Because I find that it's in those hard places that I grow closer to the Lord, not when everything's going great. That season with my mom until the Lord took her home was so hard at times. I didn't know how. I was like, I don't think I can do this another day. But once she went to heaven and once she was free of this body, I remember sitting down with the Lord and looking at my life and realizing where he had brought me as a result of that season. And I remember saying, God, I wouldn't change anything because of where I am with you today because I would not be here in my relationship with you to this depth had you not walked me through that season. There's value in it. But a second uh, value is that God can use you and your scars to come alongside someone else that's going through the same thing. I think of Carol Newman uh, walked me through that caregiving season because she had just been doing that with her mom and dad. And I can remember her words of, Cricket, it's not going to get any better. And I thought, oh, that's not. But I have used those very words as I have been encouraging people in that season. But it helped me realize, okay, this is the way it is, and I've got to accept it. And... God can use your scars. If you've had a miscarriage, God can use you to walk alongside somebody else who's gone through that. If you've lost your husband, God can use somebody who's lost their husband. To, you know, he can use you to walk through 
that was somebody else. But a word of caution again is Satan would also love to use your scars. And he would love to convince you that you're not usable or he would love to paralyze you. That, oh, you know, this is so bad, I can't do anything. I'm just going to close up. I'm going to close off to people. Don't let him do that. And don't let him, he would love for you to get mad at God and say, I'm done, God. If this is the life and the story you're giving me, I'm done. But don't let him do that. So step one, you want to develop your chapter. Step two, you want to look at the stars and scars. Step three, you want to identify formative relationships and experiences. And these experiences and relationships are those, those things that have made a lasting impact on your life. They've helped shape you into who you are today. And so we start with the relationships. And this is more along the positive lines. Who are the heroes in your life story? And I encourage you to take each chapter and sit down and think, in my childhood, like for me, in my childhood, who were my heroes? Who shaped me? It was interesting as I did this, I realized in chapter one, one of my heroes was my dad. But in my last chapter that I'm in now, it's not my last chapter, I hope, but my chapter I'm in now, um, my mom was my hero. And I thought, God, that's interesting how that has changed. Who was my hero as a little girl and who was my hero as an older woman? So you want to start with those relationships and think through who has made a positive impact in your life. It may be a teacher, somebody who's mentored you or discipled you. It may be a parent. But somebody who has spurred you on in your walk or helped you get through a hard time. You know, looking at Moses' life, one of his heroes uh, was Jethro. When he was in the wilderness and Jethro came and said, listen, you cannot do it this way. You can't keep going this way. And he came alongside and encouraged him and helped him lead those, the, the Israelites. You know, for me, uh, I've had a number of disciples and mentors that in every chapter have really spurred me on and kept me from quitting. And so the second thing you want to look at then is the experiences. And, and they call these faith points. What are those experiences? And, and these are more of the harder things that kind of parallel with your scars. But what are those life experiences, those faith points, those times that you had to walk by faith? That maybe you ask, God, why did this happen? God, why did you allow this? Why did you choose this for my life? Moses, an example of that was when he wasn't able to go into the promised land. Can you imagine? You're so close. And then God says, no, you'll, you'll die here. That was... One of those faith points. I'm sure he said, God, why? I just hit the rock. That's not a big deal. I didn't murder somebody. Why? 
it was one of those faith points that he had to trust God. For me, uh, my fa- one of my faith points is just my singleness. God, why did you choose this for my life? And I can remember in Dallas when I was working with the single women, and uh, Todd Wagner was my singles pastor at the time. And I remember as we were meeting one Sunday um, outside the, the church out on the grounds, and he said, Cricket, I don't think God's ever going to let you get married. And I looked at him, and I went, well, I don't like that. Why? Why would you say that to somebody? And he said, because I see how God is using you as a single, and I don't think he's going to take that away. And I thought, well, I hope you're wrong. And, uh, but he wasn't. And I have thought back to Todd's words many times when I start to get discouraged and go, why? And I think, that's right, Lord. You are able to use me, and I've done things that I couldn't have done with a husband and kids and grandkids. It's his story for my life. But that was one of my faith points. Yours may be, you know, God, why didn't you let me have children? Or why did my husband die at that point, this early age? Or why did my husband leave me? Why did my children go astray? Those are all faith points that people go through. There are going to be things that we don't understand why God allowed them to happen. But we have to walk by faith and trust God's sovereign hand in our lives. And then the question that comes up, we talked about it a few weeks ago on God's will. What if I took a wrong turn? God's sovereign. Let it go. And that was one of the things I cried about that night in that hotel room was when I got to these chapters thinking about my faith points. God, I think I made a mistake. And again, we have to go back to God's sovereignty. So step one, organize your chapters. Step two, your stars and scars. Step three, your formative relationships and experiences. Step four, Identify what you've learned about God in each chapter. God is the author of your story. He is at work in every chapter. And this was really a good exercise for me as I looked at every chapter and I thought, what did I learn about you in this chapter? For instance, for me, um, chapter one, I learned about God's love because that's when I heard the gospel. I, I learned that he wanted me to be his child. He didn't want me to to continue in sin. He wanted to pay the price for me. You know, in chapter 2, I learned about his forgiveness at LSU, that he is a forgiving God. And I also learned that he wants to not just be my Savior, he wants to be my Lord. You know, chapter 5 right now, right here at First Van, what I've learned about God in this chapter is his faithfulness to me, And his provision and the way he's provided for me in so many ways. Take time to just say, God, what have I learned about you? Because as we do that, when I start to worry about the next chapter, I don't have to, 
I don't have to fret. I can look back and go, God, you did this in this chapter. I can trust you. I mean, one of the things I've shared this with you before, one of the things I can worry about is in the next chapter or future chapters, what happens when I get old and I break my hip or I'm, you know, get dementia? Who's going to be my family? Who's going to take care of me? I don't have kids, grandkids. My brothers are a good bit older and, you know, you never know, but I may be the last one here. God, who's going who's gonna to come see me? I look back at what I've learned about him in the past, and I thought, God, you've been faithful. You have been good. You have provided. You're not going to abandon me. You're going to take care of that when that time comes. So that's the value of looking at what you've learned about God. And then the last step, identify what you've learned about yourself in each chapter. You know, maybe you've learned about your temperament. You're outgoing or you're quiet. You like to be alone. Maybe you've learned about your strengths, your weaknesses. What you're passionate about. And I encourage you to look for themes that run through your chapter. Something that you begin to see. There's a thread that runs through my life story. Things that I'm seeing over and over and over. For me, uh, one of the things that I realized that I've learned about myself, and I didn't actually come to this realization until here, this chapter. Um, But as I've done this life story twice, I realized that I have always wanted to feel accepted and included, and I always felt on the outside. As a little girl, I had two big brothers that wanted nothing to do with the little girl that was seven and nine years younger. They They didn't want to play with me. I was always left out. And then in college... As a Christian, I felt left out. I wanted to be accepted. That's why I joined them. And then even as I've gotten older and wondering, God, why why is every relationship breaking up and it's not going anywhere? I just feel rejected. Do I ever, am I ever going to be special and fit in? That's been a theme throughout my life. But another theme is I have always wanted to serve God wholeheartedly ever since I was a little girl. I told you the story about, you know, standing behind the little nightstand as a little girl and preaching church. <laughs> or maybe I hadn't told you about it. Maybe that's, maybe that's next week. I think that's next week on Life Purpose. But um, I've always wanted to serve him in every chapter. So look for themes. So again, I want to challenge you to take some time and really get alone and write out your life story and use this worksheet in your your lesson. Look at these five steps, you know, the chapters, the stars and scars, the formative relationships, experiences. What have you learned about God? What have you learned about yourself? And how has God worked through your story to accomplish his purpose? And are you allowing him to work and to use your story 
for his glory. And then just another question. Are you willing to accept his script for your life? You know, I, I had to do that when I came here to Memphis because I knew that when I came here, this was not a church of singles. And I left a church that had a thousand singles on Sunday morning. And I thought, if I take this job, I will probably stay single. God, I accept it. If that's your will. Are you willing to accept his script for your life and trust his purpose with why he has chosen that for your life? I want to uh, close with a quote from Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth, and I've read this to y'all before, but it's one of my favorite when we talk about this. It's from her uh, devotional book, The Quiet Place, which I highly recommend. It's one of my favorites. But she says, Are you willing to play the part that he has written for you in his script? Because when the story has all been told, you will be able to sit back in your heavenly theater seat and see exactly how your one simple storyline made perfect sense and contributed to the overall plot. You'll know that he had a deliberate purpose for everything. I cannot wait to that day when we see the whole picture and go, that's why you did that. Yes. Thank you, Lord. So let's embrace God's story, his script for our lives, and let him use it. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for the life story you've given me. It's not what I would have chosen. But God, as I look back, I'm, I'm grateful for the things that you've done. And I know there are women in this room that have things that they wish had not been part of their story. But God, I'm praying that for every one of us that we would allow you to use our story in your bigger purpose. That we would just lay it before you and say, God, use me. Do in me, through me, what you want. I'm yours. Father, we love you and thank you that you've written our stories before we were ever born. Help us honor you with the way we live it out. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.